Hello everybody, this is Nashville Demystified. I am Alex Steed. More often than not, Nashville Demystified features a conversation with a relatively new Nashvilleian about something I'd like to understand further. And then I talk with someone who's been here longer and is presumably an expert in that area or arena, I suppose. Today, we divert from format just slightly because I'm actually in the great state of Maine for a wedding this week, and so we'll forgo our weekly chat with a new Nashvilleian and cut straight to a conversation with Michael Eads. Uh, Nashville Demystified, I should tell you, is brought to you by Knack Factory, a commercial video and content production company with offices here in the city, and it's also brought to you by We Own This Town. We Own This Town is a collection of podcasts based here in Nashville. And this leads me straight to our conversation with Michael. For those of you who don't know, um, Michael is the creator of this network and he's the host of We Own This Town, uh, a show that shares a name with the network. And it serves as an introduction to all sorts of music that touches on or has roots here in the city. Uh, In today's episode, we talk about Nashville podcasts and how this network came to be. I met Michael through a friend of ours whose name is Brian Bruckman. He's this guy based in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> Brian and I, and I think Brian and Michael uh, all met each other on the internet back in the 1990s. Um, and so when Brian heard that I was moving to this city, he told me I absolutely had to meet Michael. I'm glad I did because uh, uh, he's so clearly interested and in, devoted in the city and in its music. And he was so generous with his time. Um, and after meeting him and after he told me he had this network, I immediately thought of podcasts that I would like to create. And that is how this one came to be. Really, I can't say enough good about Michael. I can't say enough about uh, We Own This Town and the crew of folks who all make it a reality. I've had the good fortune uh, to hang and spend time with these people, most notably on Record Store Day. And they've just certainly made this new guy in particular feel very welcome uh, in this new place. But before we get to Michael, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Consider giving it a review if you can and sharing with a friend. We're on Instagram and Twitter at National Demystified. And we are on the Bruce Willis Blues album that is Facebook. If you have any feedback you want to send to me directly or ideas for future shows, you can reach me at podcast at knack-factory.com. That is podcast at knack-factory.com. We recorded this interview uh, with Michael at the We Own This Town uh, podcast, I don't know, studio, uh, headquarters. Uh, It was the first time that we all hung. Uh, You'll hear his cat, (laughs) the office cat who hangs in the office uh, for the first little while and then it it chills a bit. Um, It's actually quite endearing. Uh, Michael's a sweet dude, (laughs) just all around a lovely guy who has a lot to say about music. He has a lot of experience here in the area. He has uh, opinions and he's just a joy to talk to. I really can't say enough about him. I'm not paid to be on this podcast. I'm not an employee. I'm someone who does this because I'm interested in uh, this mission and these people. I'm interested in understanding this new place where I live and Michael, I don't think is is either, and he just gives a lot of time and energy to making sure the 
people like me who are on this network making shows uh, are able to do so. I mean, he really puts a lot into making this happen and and uh, it's quite admirable. I really appreciate and look up to him. So without further ado, here is Michael Eads. What do you, in relationship to what I do, what do you do? (laughs) Wait, you mean in your real life or in in your hobby? In my hobby life. So your hobby life is this show, Nashville Demystified. Yes. And my hobby life is running We Own This Town, a podcast network that distributes shows such as yourselves, your your own. How, How did that happen? So uh, actually, We Own This Town is way older than I generally give it credit for or generally advertise. Uh, I've been running it for 14 years. Mm. Um, Basically, as a little bit of history of Nashville, there was a blog around town that was all about like Nashville band rumors. Like, oh, we heard this band got in a big fight. This band broke up. This like really trashy kind of rumory stuff, but it was very entertaining. Mm. Uh, and then the guy running that uh, was just like, all right, I've been doing this for a couple of years. I'm kind of tired of it. Uh, I think he moved to California, kind of put it to bed. And in the wake of that, like people were looking for a place to go. Um, and this man, my cat is just <laughs> meowing like crazy. We, I, lo- I love it. We can let her in, but uh, it might get worse. <laughs> anyway, uh, so in the wake of that, um, this guy, Doug Lehman, created a site called We Own This Town. And it was basically the exact same thing, just like show listings and then like band rumors. And he also was sort of thinking, oh, I will make a radio show out of this. I'll film bands, I'll record bands. It'll basically be like my radio show that I did in college, but it'll be local bands, but I'll put it out on the internet. And this was like, you know, podcasts existed back then, but they weren't a thing. They weren't like in the general vernacular of people. So it was kind of ahead of its time, really. But that also means that no one knew what to do with it. It was like, here's an RSS feed. Put this in a thing, and then you'll get new episodes. Right. Like, what? What right. the hell is an RSS feed? Uh, so as Doug was doing that, I kind of caught wind of it and was like, man, I love what you're doing. Can I help? Like, what what can I do? I want to contribute. I'll write music reviews. I will write news articles. I'll put together episodes. And he was all for having some collaboration and so I came in and I started putting putting together all that stuff, started contributing to the site and just basically took over. Like he saw that I was taking it and just let me take it. And so I've been running it in various incarnations for years, like over a decade, right. um, mostly music reviews primarily. And then when I moved back from New York two years ago, I was like, I'm going to make We Own This Town into a podcast network and make it more than just music. Like that's where my bread and butter is. That's where my understanding of the scene is for the most part. But I wanted to expand to uh, more voices than that. Like just there's so much good talent in town, so many amazing things and creative people that I didn't want to just like uh, relegate that to just a small amount of new music coming out like i mean your show is a great example of that like what an interesting thing that you know people should hear about like what's your experience moving to nashville i couldn't do that on a music review site right right so that was kind of the genesis of it what have you what have you i guess what do you learn from listening to the city <laughs> through the ears of all of the people who produce podcasts for the network? 
what do I learn about the city through that? Um, I learn, I mean, there's the practical aspect of it, like uh, the show we do that's all about bars and restaurants. This is the place. I learn about places that I might want to go check out, like bars and restaurants that I want to visit. And I think other listeners will benefit from that as well. Um, but, you know, the other side of that is like uh, there's a beverage podcast we do called Liquid Gold. And it's just about like here's a history of the tiki drinks involving rum mm. and like that's a wealth of knowledge that exists in Nashville that I would have never given it credit for. Like, do we have good bartenders? Yes. Do we have bartenders that have like uh, encyclopedic knowledge of a kind of drink? I would have never thought that. So it really kind of uh, pushes the the whole theory of we own this town, which is Nashville is more than music row. Mm -hmm. And so talking to these people through podcasts and talking about the different subject matter, it really just emphasizes that idea that like, it's way more than that. There's so much stuff here. There's so much comedy. There's so much like brilliant, uh, mixologists, which is a horrible word, but it's a thing. It's a word that people use, you know, and there's like Food, you know, when people when you ask people about Nashville food, they're like, "Oh yeah, hot chicken, you got to have it." Right. So much more than that, you know, like just a wealth of diversity here that I, that we don't get credit for from the high surface level, right. which is probably true of any city. But you know, that's that's where I land with it. It's just verifying that we're more than that. Yeah, I think like that's that's sort of been the the task around understanding what Nashville is outside of just like music row right? right is that it's like there are a lot of other things and you have a really interesting front row into or front you know front row seat into yeah. understanding sort of what some of those things are through the eyes and ears of your your producers yeah um thanks yeah <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> what in in your you you obviously are 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 Focused on music, yeah. um, and you have a podcast that yep. shines light on music that, yep. is, uh, that comes out of the city and has come out of the city. Is that that accurate? Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's all local music. Um, you know, I do surrounding areas like Murfreesboro. Uh, there's actually like a pretty cool scene in Clarksville, which, hmm. you know, you would have never thought. Um, and there, there's just bands all over. Like I try and keep it probably within a like 30, 40 mile radius. Like I'm not going to cover Chattanooga bands or Memphis bands because those are, have their own identity. Take that Chattanooga and Memphis. Sorry, guys. You have <laughs> great scenes that you can cover on your own. Um, but yeah, I just, you, you know, I'd been doing We Own This Town for so long and had been doing a podcast about local music primarily that was just like, here's 10 songs back to back. No talking. I was never like a presence on the podcast. I just was putting out local music. And then when I moved back and kind of rebooted the site as this new thing, it was like, I think I got to talk on the show. I got to like give it a personality and like let people know why I picked these songs rather than just like, you trust me. Right. Here are the songs. Like it's more like this, you know, here's the reasons why I picked these songs. Right. So now I actually talk on the show, which for me is, I mean, I don't know about you, but hearing my recorded voice is woefully unpleasant sometimes. No, it's the worst. And now I can actually <laughs> hear my recorded voice in my head. Yeah. So when I, when I talk, so it's doubly the worst. I'm just like, <laughs> Ugh, this guy again. Um, how, okay, so, so Nashville music is not all... Uh, and and this is not a problem. Uh, I mean, this is like Jason Aldean is not a not a problem, but it's not all Jason Aldean, right? There's right. like there are 
a lot of things happening and I'm sure you what you probably hear this a lot when you talk about like Nashville music outside of you know people who are from, mm-hmm. from Nashville who make an assumption that it's one thing but like how do you describe what it is beyond the obvious imagery and in things that come into people's mind when they think about Nashville um how do I describe it um I guess I, I I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I think that I just try and impress upon people that like every genre of music is here and a lot of it is very mature. It just doesn't get the spotlight on it that Music Row does because Music Row has this like historical stranglehold on the city that's like this is what Nashville is all about, you know, but it's like there's an electronic scene here that's really awesome. There's actually a metal scene that's really interesting. Mm. Um, there are country music artists that I feel exist outside of Music Row that are fascinating, like Third Man Records, which is very much in the mainstream, does a really good job of highlighting those country artists that mm. are existing outside of Music Row. Like Margot Price is like phenomenal, you know, like right. Joshua Headley's album's amazing. Um, Teddy and the Rough Riders just did a seven inch that's like really good. So, like, there's country artists and they could fall into that music row world but they just don't they don't exist in there um so i just i think you can start there and say like yeah there is country music there's margot price there is xyz but then there's also and just name like a bunch of psych rock bands and you know uh experimental electronic outfits stuff like that so uh that's a terrible answer i think no i know i don't think it is i mean i think that it um I think that that to me is like one of the most, you know, in, in one of the earlier episodes I talked with Brittany Haas, who's a, who's a fiddler. And when I was talking about like different kinds of music that I'd heard about, she's like, well, I want to hear about that because, you know, I think that people <laughs> sort of get into their own genre yeah. sometimes and it's hard Yeah, when you're trying to keep up within that. It's hard to know all the other things that are necessarily happening, especially for people. I'm really interested in the, the phenomenon of all these people who are on the road all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they come home here and that this is like an interesting sort of, you know, Petri dish of like where they're able to experiment and see, see yeah. other things that are happening. I mean, I think it's uh, like anything, your social circle sort of dictates a lot of those experiences. So if you're a fiddler, you're probably hanging out with people that are in that gr- in that world, even just like a little bit, like a couple mm-hmm. Uh, steps removed or whatever so you're kind of hearing that music and experiencing those things because that's what your life is and you kind of have to force yourself to step out of it a little bit and i think that happens in every circle like uh if you're really into diy you're probably spending a ton of time at dark matter and this all ages venue that's over on dickerson Mm -hmm. road it's amazing uh they have incredible booking there like they're doing a phenomenal job but even then, you're probably not going to find out that, like, there's a bunch of DJs in town that do really good stuff over at Rosemary and uh, – what is that place called? I'll just call it Ro- – over at Rosemary uh, <laughs> over in Five Points. Uh, it has this – Rosemary and Beauty Queen. I always – it's RBQ. Mm. Uh, but Beauty Queen is supposed to be a bar in the back that has yet to open because uh, of lots of red tape from the city. Sure. Um, do they have a um, home studio back there? They do not have a home studio <laughs> back there. Uh, no, but I mean, you know, you end up getting stuck in those places that are like, that's what you experience. Mm-hmm. So you have to like force yourself to be like, okay, I spend all my time at Dark Matter. I'm going to force myself to go to the Cobra right. and I'm going to see some like dirtier psych rock. Or I'm going to go to the East Room. And there's always overlap between those things, though, especially the ones I'm citing currently. But 
you do have to make that effort if you really want to get that diversity, I think. And that's not always easy because, like, your friends aren't at Rosemary. Right. But drag them along. They'll probably have a good time. Yeah. Well, and you, you – I don't want to be myopic about my experience and then suggest it's everyone's experience. Mm-hmm. But one tends to get older. And the compulsion to go out oh, sure. <laughs> becomes less. Yeah, less. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're like, I just really want to make a drink at home and hang out. Yeah. But when you go out, you're always sort of pleasantly surprised by what. Yeah, by and what is you know, like. this is this is a problem with Nashville and being a Nashvilleian is that uh, I really cherish places where there isn't music, and like it's sometimes very hard to find. Like. Mm. Uh, I can remember a restaurant near my house when I lived on in 12 South and it was like this great bar. They had really simple food. It was so relaxed there. Great, huge front porch, really enjoyed hanging out there. And at about 5 PM every weekend, a band would start setting up. And I was like, ah, shit, we got to leave. Like, I just don't, I don't want to fight the band to like have a conversation and relax, you know? And that happens all over. Like everywhere in Nashville is a venue and, Sometimes that's awesome, especially if you're an out-of-towner or you're new. Like, it's really charming. But if you've been here a while and you don't go out that much, sometimes when you go out, you want to just be like, I would like to hear you while we're speaking, <laughs> yeah. you know? I don't yeah. want to compete with them. Yeah. So I had a, I had a, uh, a professor who was a, my mentor in, uh, in college, and he was a Serbian academic, left-wing academic, who, who fought, you know, he and his friends, like, fought Milosevic and all Jeez. this stuff. But he... he uh, Anytime we'd go to a, a bar or a, a restaurant that just had music above, you know, a three out of ten, he'd be like, who asked for this? This is terrorism, really. Like, this is, I just want to eat eat my food and not have music that I didn't ask for played at me. Yeah. So he would do very poorly. And, uh, he would does, not enjoy it here. Does Nashville have what Austin has, which is like music at grocery stores? Uh, like bands playing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not to my knowledge yet, but... I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. <laughs> Feels like a real Austin move, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, know, well, they're the home of Whole Foods, right? <laughs> yes. So you got to have the yes. bands play at the Whole Foods. That's, and that's what happens. Yeah. I, you know, I, this is a total aside, but I, I was at a networking event the other day, and I'm, I'm, I'm after this, I'm going to talk with this uh, um, this curator uh, whose name is Jason Sean, and he's a he's a film writer, curator, et cetera, cool. uh, from the Belcourt. And he... Um, I'm going to talk with him about the movie Nashville, which I'm sort of have a you yeah. know, small obsession with. Yeah, and I brought up Nashville the other day at a uh, at a art opening to a man who was in his 50s. He owns like some sort of branding firm or something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, and I knew that Nashville, the city, had a problem with the movie Nashville when it came out, but I haven't seen it in action. And and I and I brought it up to him, and he was like. I still hate that movie. You know, I've <laughs> I've never seen it. Never seen we're gonna, it. We're gonna dive in. We're gonna. You'll. You're. I'm bringing you into it at some point. Yeah. I mean, go. I'm not opposed to it. You're I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I now I'm more intrigued because it's like a classic film that I've always had some guilt around not having sure. seen. But to hear that it's controversial as a person that lives here, like, right. oh, you're gonna hate it. Right. Well, then he, now I have to see it. The way that he's well, this got weird immediately because he said <laughs> he got weird about it and. He just seemed like a reasonable person. Yeah. And he, and you know, he said, well, uh, it was a weird spoof of the city. And I think people outside of the city didn't realize it was a spoof. And I said, I was like, well, I just read it as a movie about 19, um, uh, 19 people who have some level of like unmanageable vanity, which seems pretty on point for the city. It does. He was like, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then I was like, I'm bad at networking. Well, I mean, isn't that like Portlandia? Like yeah, Portlandia precisely. is a stereotype, but there's some truth in there. That's a- that's absolutely true. Yeah. W- what do you enjoy about? Um, what do you enjoy? You you spent a lot of time in New York. I lived there for four years. Yeah. Which is like as a if you lived in New York now, and then I told you that I lived there for four years, you'd be like. <laughs> 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 what, what what do you enjoy about this this scene versus that scene? And you don't have to paint them as different, but like, is there is there something more about accessibility, or what, what do you enjoy? Well, you know, uh, my experiences were very different because I grew up in I grew up in Franklin here. I went to school in Murfreesboro, and then I moved to Nashville. So like, I've always been like since high school, I've been around bands and like kind of been following different people so like i've been aware of the scene from a very young age so it wasn't like hard to crack because i've always just been in it and monitoring it and aware of it in new york you know i moved there for a job and i was like okay what what bands do i go see what are the venues that people go to like you know i I didn't have any of those those resources so for me my experience with music in new york was wildly different like i barely went to shows like i would see touring acts but i didn't know anything about the local scene um i would go to some local shows if like a friend from nashville was touring through i would go see them and then i would see the opening bands be like wow that was like a a doom metal band that opened and that was phenomenal (laughs) i will have to make a note to follow along with them um but yeah, I just didn't I, I thought New York was very hard to be in a band. Just like ridiculously impractical. Like where's your uh, practice space going to be? Right. That's another $600 a month on top of your wildly expensive rent. Uh how are you going to get your gear from your apartment in this neighborhood in Brooklyn to anywhere else and not spend an arm and a leg? Like it seemed like being in a band there was way harder. Like right here there's a practical like there's traffic here but like everyone already has cars so you can just load your car up with your gear and get it to the venue and you know it just seems easier to be in a band here than it does there and nashville has i mean even though there are there are issues that i've delved into and i'm sure we'll delve into more around you know gentrification and development like nashville has land in yeah. a way that New York, like New York is what New York is forever. Right. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. And to get to point, from point A to point B, it inevitably takes an hour and 10 minutes. Right. Whereas here, like even when it's at its worst, you know, you can have space. and yeah. yeah. I mean, I still, I know that the traffic has gotten bad here, but I can get from my house near 8th Avenue to like Mickey's way over on the other side of town. 15 minutes consistently and that's like everywhere in town you can Mm -hmm. get there in 15 minutes maybe 20 if you decide to drive during rush hour or you take a stupid path through downtown but i just i for me personally my personal experience the traffic hasn't been like horrible nashville is pretty pretty traversable i think I've only gotten stuck uh, like in a, and I think like a Vanderbilt thing yeah. once, yeah. and it was like a forty-seven minutes to get a mile, and that was just. I feel like that was just the situation. Yeah, but well, I think you do that once, and you're like you hate cars for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been stuck on the interstate, and it's awful. There's a train right here by the studio that, inevitably, if I cross the train tracks, the train will come and, right. and catch me, and I will be stuck in a zone that will prevent me from coming back here every single time. That is a thing that will resonate with literally everyone who lives in this city. Yeah. <laughs> The train, man. Uh, it's like a, it's like a, a really rude ghost. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple years back, there was a big controversy. I'm putting heavy quotes on that uh, around the train horns. And like, I think particularly in your neighborhood over in Inglewood, they sure. were like, 
you have to stop with the train horns. It's like, well, the train horns uh, warn people that a giant train is coming and that they would die if they don't move. You enjoy not being killed by trains, right? Yeah, and, and it, it was just like there was like petitions and like you know people were really upset. Like, stop the train horns! It's so disruptive. It was like, eh, it serves a purpose. Like, right. I I can't argue with the train horn. Please keep doing the train horn. Yeah, it's fine. Like I when I lived in New York, I lived in Brooklyn, and we lived literally underneath the subway. Right. So like every time the F and the G train went by, we would hear it, and you just eventually you're like, it's like the ocean. It's yeah. just like a noise True. that's around. You don't really care. Yeah, exactly. So. You just absorb it. The the um, what do, you know? What I think you do really well in your show do tell is is we know each other through a mutual uh, uh, contact and acquaintance and friend called Brian Bruckman and in called, called like we, we call him Brian Bruckman. <laughs> That's what I call him because that's his name. Yeah. And he uh, and Brian, when he used to live in Portland, Maine, he lives in New York right, now. Right. He does a lot of sort of music organizing, always has. He is since the, we were the kids. origin of us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He is the origin of us. He, yeah. Brian was always the person who in Portland, Maine, I trusted to tell me what was worth my time. Yeah. And I think on your show, I think, and I think that this comes from you adding your voice probably, and I, I was familiar with what you were doing beforehand, you you sort of are bringing people through the kind of music that you're sharing with them. Right. And, and it's very different sort of song to song. You yeah. Know, there's a, yeah, yeah. there's certainly a, a, a medium level of, a median level of quality. Right. Um, um, but there is, it's very different and you are sharing stuff with like how it compares to other music, like where, what the, right. the um, access points, what the entry points are. And I think like you do very well by being, that person probably for people is that well, great yeah i feel like i have a deficit in a lot of genres where like mm. hip-hop is almost never played on the show because i don't know anything about hip-hop and i don't know where to follow it i sure. don't know where to discover it like primarily a lot of my discovery comes from like asking friends what they're listening to scouring Bandcamp for stuff mm. um but like if if it's a, not on there i just don't see it right. you know and i'm really i do a really bad job of covering hip-hop and i know there's a really strong scene i'm just not aware of it um so that that happens from time to time with random genres but i'm trying to do better and part of that is reaching out to people that i know like have those insights and trying to like lean on them a little bit where i'm not doing a great job but in general yeah i mean i think nashville has so much rad stuff like there's weeks on the podcast where i'm like I'm only supposed to play eight songs, but I have a lot here. All right. And I have to like make cuts. And sometimes right. it's, it's difficult, you know. Um, but I also try and keep the show like 40 minutes. Like if I'm asking someone for their time, like 40 minutes is, seems like a good number. Yeah. So who, who was that for you when you, were, when you were getting into music? Like who brought you on that journey? Um, you know, I worked uh, when I was in college – I guess, I don't know, I've always been, like, sort of um, musically obsessive in a way. Like, when I was in high school, I loved that band, They Might Be Giants, and that was, like, get everything from them. Like, not only their fully really full-length albums, but, like, go find all the singles, listen to all the B-sides, go on the, the internet and, you know, Prodigy at the time for my mm. age, and just, like, find out all about the band. And then, like, oh, well, that leads to John Linnell has a solo record. You should check that out. And then, you know, uh, John Flansburg has another side project that's this. So, like, there was kind of, like, already that 
that behavior instilled in me to sort of investigate in that way. Um, if you like They Might Be Giants, you'll like this band kind of thing. And then in college, I worked for a small record label called Sponge Bath Records. And at the time, this is like late 90s, 97, 2001, like Sponge Bath was like on the map. Like they got written up in Billboard. They had like a big story. There was a bunch of bands on the label that like kind of uh, were very popular around town and they supported a lot of other local bands in town. And the, the local scene in Murfreesboro was awesome. There were so many good bands. Um, and I think that that just like... It was not a conscious decision. It was just sort of like, okay, I love these bands that are on the label. They're playing with these other bands at the borough tonight. Uh, I love them now. I'm going to go see them when they play. And it was just like part of being in college. Like the thing that I ended up doing the most was going to shows. Um, and then when I moved to Nashville, it just sort of continued because all those people also moved to Nashville and yeah. played with new bands and stuff. So, How did you find They Might Be Giants originally? Um, uh, I'm fairly certain there are two two in routes there tiny tunes for sure oh yeah absolutely um, a symbol in that concept no yes that yeah. was that was what probably was... a big one i think the other thing was there was a really good local radio station you know you know lightning 100 yes there used to be a sister station called thunder 94 and <laughs> so they were lightning and thunder <laughs> yeah um and the djs on thunder 94 were amazing mm. like the music they played was incredible this is before like you know, playlists were sort of, you know, come down from on high. And I don't think Lightning 100 necessarily falls into that camp either. I think they're independent. I think they're picking their music. But there is a lot of homogeny in, you know, commercial radio in general. Sure. But Thunder 94 was like, it hit the sweet spot for me. And uh, one of the DJs played Anna Eng mm. on there. Is that my saying that right? Anna Ng? Yeah, I think so. Uh, sure. And that was like, I don't know. It just smacked me in the head. Like, this song is incredible. Right. And I was locked in from there. Yeah, yeah. You're like, what was happening at the time? You're like, this is better than Toad the Wet Sprocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I liked a lot of horrible music. Well, yeah, dude, I've listened to Lives Throwing Copper oh, more times my, than I can count. My gosh. Tears. <laughs> tears have come from lightning crashes one too many times. Dude, after the uh, Oklahoma City bombing, yeah. in my high school, mm. in rural Tennessee, they were like, we're going to have a moment of silence for the Oklahoma City bombing, and we're going to play Lightning Crashes <laughs> by live. funny, but it's amazing. It was horrible. I mean, it's yeah. been enough time now sure. that it's it's okay to laugh at it, but like, why did they play that? Sure. That's like not a song about a bombing. That's really like, bizarre. That's really bizarre. <laughs> That's, I don't, I wonder how they deal with kids now with terrible things that happen because it used to be, like, not used to be, but just the way that the media worked. It was like, there was one real bad thing we were close to a year. Right. And they would address it at school. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, yeah. I remember the same with Oklahoma City. Like they got gathered us in a circle. They're like, do you have any questions? And I can't hear Like, what do they do now? Like, it is my every day. They're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. We're going to play lightning crashes I again. I think they just ignore it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's it. Or yeah. they do drills. Like, yeah. Yeah. Ugh, Jesus. That and, is ugh, ugh, that's any, so horrible. Anyway, we live in dystopia. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what are your suggestions for? Um, someone who, arri who arrives, the new Nashvillians, and they don't want to be assholes about being new Nashvillians. They just want to like understand what's happening, get yeah. into the scene, you know, like f find a find some places they're comfortable with. Like how it could be, it could be overwhelming. Like when when I know people who are coming here, or I talk with people who are new here, they're like, "Where do I even begin? Like, right. Where do people begin who want to go out and see or find some some new and interesting music?" Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's all based on, like, what your general interests are, right? Like, uh, 
I think if you're coming to town to visit, I've heard you talk about this on previous shows. Uh, if you're visiting Nashville, you have to go downtown. Mm. Like everyone who lives here is like, oh, it's a hellscape. Fuck that place. I hate it. But like, it's fun if you're a visitor. Mm. Sorry. Roberts is fun as a visitor. Like pedal taverns are hysterical. Like they might be a nuisance to you when you're driving in your car, but like, it's funny. Mm. Like there's, there's a, a whole breed of animal down there now that is a pedal tavern. There's like a flatbed truck. There's a jacuzzi. There's a fire truck. Like there's all these different variations. It's absurd. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely absurd. You have to appreciate that. So I think as a visitor, sorry, you got to go down there. Mm. And there is actually good restaurants down there. There are good things to experience outside of the kitsch. Um, if you live here and you're like, I know I love rock and roll like you should be hitting up the cobra and you should be hitting up the east room you know like there's classic places like exit in uh, mercy lounge those are phenomenal venues like they're gonna get really good touring acts but if you want local bands generally you want to go on the east side to some of these smaller places dark matter like i mentioned is killing it they're a really good venue um you know, and then there's all these like sort of built in nights, like the five spot does uh, $2 Tuesdays, which is pretty interesting. Um, they do like a a soul night. So it's like a soul dance party yeah, on Mondays on Mondays. Yeah. Um, Rosemary, uh, they do like lots of DJ nights. Um, Girl Friday is one of them. And I know they do stuff on Saturdays, too. Girl Friday happens on a Tuesday by the way, okay. just so you know. Okay. Important. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's all about like the genre, right? Like right. what you're interested in seeing and experiencing. But if you live here, uh, you know, just go to Five Points and start at Five Spot. And then like, if that doesn't do it for you, go over, go to the Cobra, go to the East Room, something like that. Yeah, it's geographically manageable. Like, yeah. If you want to go like set up there and then just sort of wander around. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think you can't really go wrong. I'm not a huge fan of like, uh, the bluebird or whatever, like songwriting in the round is uh, a miserable experience okay. for me. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see that. It's very, very boring. What is this? With songwriting in the round? Yeah. For those that don't know, uh, songwriting in the round is like you get five songwriters sitting on a stage, generally on stools with uh, acoustic guitars each and a microphone, and they each one plays one of their songs in a round. So it's like... Mm. Here's here's my song that I wrote. You might remember it from when Billy Jane sang this. You know, yeah, like yeah. so it's the songwriters, it's the people behind famous songs or or people aspiring to be those people. But to me, there it's there's something embarrassing about it that I just can't deal with. Yeah. It's just like okay. very it's very emotional, but it's also very transparent. Sure. Like we wrote these songs of, you know, like it's just, it just feels fake yeah. to me. It's tra- that stresses me out immediately. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm not I'm not trying to hate on it as sure. a thing because like everyone has their thing and it's not my place to say what's good or bad. Like it's very subjective. Mm-hmm. Like if you like it, awesome. I'm I'm not at all trying to throw judgment on someone in that regard. But from my perspective, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Never. <laughs> that is a that is a uh, uh, people who are not from the place where we burn witches. Yeah. are very good at being critical <laughs> in a way that leaves you feeling better after you heard it. <laughs> Whereas in New England, we burned witches. Yeah. Um, well, okay, that's great. So my last question is: um, 
what do you like what do you hope happens in this city things are changing quickly yeah um um what just are are you a go with the flow kind of person or do you do you have a sense of um how you'd like to see things go um i would like to see things go in a direction which i think we're heading in and it is organic and i have almost no influence on whatsoever uh is that this diversity sort of crawls out from you know the underground and is a little more visible to everybody like it doesn't need to be like what nashville is known for necessarily but i think that we're starting to reach a point where like there's big events that celebrate this diversity that really shine a light on how much cool stuff can happen so like uh, cold lunch recordings is a record label here in town they have a ton of awesome bands on the label and they've been doing these events like maybe once every two months or something that it'll be like i don't even know what it's themed around it'll be like new new uh new music saturday or whatever but it's a big deal and they book a bunch of new bands and they like make an event out of it it's not a show it's mm. an event you know they have a thing called spew fest that like happens between the cobra and the east room and you can bounce between the venues and there's like 40 bands playing and they're all psych rock bands but they started expanding that to hip-hop and electronic this mm. year and like as those grow, I think we're going to start seeing like a little more like visibility into those things. It won't just be like, oh, I like psych rock, so I went to Spewfest. It'll be like, oh, Spewfest is happening again, and it's like this big deal. Right. And it's you know it's expanded to two venues. Maybe it'll expand to four venues next year. Maybe it'll like kind of take over the city for a weekend or something. Um, there's there's all kinds of events like that that I think I would like to see, kind of make their way i guess that's not i don't think i gave great answers on no, all of these I no just, i think that's a great that's it's a so great subjective yeah. you know like uh i don't i don't know that i think i'm supposed to say i want a band to uh skyrocket into uh big popularity and like have like really big monetary success which of course i want the bands that are coming from nashville to like make it and be able to tour and be able to pay themselves that's hugely important to be able to be to be a creative person like that and actually sustain yourself on it i definitely want that but for the city i don't know that my goal is necessarily i want this to be a place where people can come and make music and get paid i want people to be able to come here and be creative and be like acknowledged and appreciated for that creativity mm. hopefully money is a byproduct of that but I don't want someone who's like a keyboard noodler to come here and be like, well, there's not a place for me. It's like, yeah, there is. Right. We love this. Please make that music and help us bring it into the light. Yes. So, keep keep noodling. Keep noodling. You know? <laughs> there's all kinds of good noodling. There's keyboard noodling. There's guitar noodling. If you I know. have no, if I get merch, it's yeah. gonna, just natural demystified keep noodling. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> Olivia says uh, from Bandsplainer, who mm -hmm. you talked to, she said, uh, all, all good bands are jam bands. <laughs> and it was like, that is contentious. Yeah. And she's yeah. just like... She stood her ground. She's like, no, all the good bands are jam bands. Yeah. But I think her. But she's not saying all jam bands are good bands. Right. 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 Just and I think her twist. definition of jam band is maybe more expansive right. than you would let it be like Radiohead. Yeah. Maybe a jam band. Butthole servers. Yeah. <laughs> jam band. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Just a weird jam. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, fish. I don't agree with that. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Craft work. Jam band. Keys, bro. Yeah. All of Krautwalk. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> You're right. All of Krautrock is a gem band. Yeah, really. absolutely. <laughs> so Olivia's right. Oh, what a controversial take to end on. <laughs> and poor Olivia isn't even here to, de- to defend it. Well, I'm, there's she nothing need to defend. To. She's no, right. She's right. Yeah. She's right. All right, man. Thanks yeah, so much thanks for, for having me. Um, you know, How thanks do for people... doing the show too. Well, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> really, I can only do it because you let me. Um, how how um, do people find uh, all? The yeah, yeah. So uh, at we own this town on all the things. I'll let you describe what Facebook is. Yep. Um, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Always a wonderful treat every absolutely. episode to hear you. <laughs> take facebook down a notch but yeah we're on facebook. it's working yeah it is they're going private man they're going private because yep, of you i did it uh yeah facebook instagram twitter at we own this town we own this town.net don't have the dot com sorry dot net um and then my, me personally i am at uni y-e-w-k-n-e-e it is a word i made up that means nothing and most people pronounce incorrectly yeah so I mean, why not have some silent le- silent uh, letter sounds in there yeah why not <laughs> uh yeah and then my record label is yk records so ykrecords.com i'm on the internet a lot in a lot of different places so that was a long list yeah it's sorry good. thank you so much <laughs> thank you <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Nashville Demystified. Thanks to Jesse LaFontaine for all things related to sound post-production. All the music in this episode is by different sources. You can find it more on the website. Every episode has a show-specific illustration provided by my longtime friend, Tim Burns. They're pretty great. You can find them on the website. And in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about um, Black history. We're going to talk with uh, writers uh, in the area. We'll talk about comedy. Um, We have, let's see, what else do we have an episode on? We have an episode on different kinds of music that are not uh, you know, indie rock or country. We've got a lot coming up. If you have any suggestions, let us know and like, follow, subscribe, do that. It all really does help. And thank you so much for everything. I'm Alex Steed. This is Nashville Demystified, which is brought to you by Knack Factory and we own this town. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.